The last couple weeks we've been taking a look at this idea of the rest of grace. For years we've been talking about identity in Christ and what does it mean to rest in Christ. But there's more. What is, what is the rest of grace? How do we work from a place of rest? The uh, idea of identity in Christ for many, especially if you're well-churched, is a busy treadmill of religion. So that we have to do, 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 do to stay accepted by each other, stay accepted by God. That's the system of religion. And when we discover grace and identity, we tend to have a pendulum swing and say, I'm not doing anything now because I don't have to. Well, it's time to grow up. It's time to get your maturity pendulum back to center, Christ-centered, and allow him to think his thoughts and actively live through you in a very profound way. So that's what we're kind of covering. So this comes from Isaiah 61. I'm only going to do the first verse right now because the, um, the rest of the verses we'll cover later in the series. But it starts off like this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. To bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim victory to captives and freedom to prisoners. And today, our, our, so far, we've covered the Spirit of the Lord is a, uh, of God is upon me. And then the last two weeks, we've been talking about the anointment, that we have been anointed by God. You can go back to last week and take a look at what, what we covered for that. But here's, here's what we've been covering and we'll cover. We've covered realize and rest in your identity as a key to learning how to live out the rest of your grace life. And then the last two weeks, three weeks, we've been looking at how to discover and develop your abilities. Because you've been given abilities, and you need to discover what they are so you can fully function as a functioning member of the body of Christ. But it has to be Christ revealing that to you, so we're trying to give you some tools of how to discover that. Then we're going to start to cover what does it mean to accept and appropriate the good news, experience and express a grace-based outlook, uh, and then a supernatural lifestyle. That'll be a very, very full one uh, towards the end there. What will it look like? So next week, we're, we're going to get into attitude. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. All right, so if we have been given gifts, and since we covered how to discover them, how do we develop our gifts? How do we develop our abilities? Isaiah has said that the self-existent God of the universe has anointed you. This is a fact. This is non-negotiable. You've been anointed in the person of Christ. Christ is fully anointed, and you are one with him. That is your anointing. It's a person, not an extra woo thing. Okay? You know how some, some places think you've got to get an extra one. Stop doing that. You lack nothing. You've got it all. Tell me one thing you lack as a believer, and I'll go in your face and say, not a chance. You lack nothing. Because we are complete in Christ. The hard part is discovering all that we have. Waking up to truth. And religion has made us feel like we're lacking something. Therefore, we have to find more. We have to earn. We have to, you know, pedal harder to, to get God to like us or to be successful. We're not there anymore. We've moved beyond that because we're discovering grace. His name is Jesus Christ. The common wisdom of this world suggests that it's by discipline and determination that we achieve our goals. There's enough books in any bookstore on self-help and motivation. They just pile on, and there's so much to learn there. And yet, almost all of it is missing the most important ingredient, which we're going to cover today. They jump ahead and miss the first step. So since they miss the first step, the rest of the steps are out of whack. It's like playing, uh, typing an a, a email on your computer, but your hands are off one section. 
It looks like you're swearing. You know, you can, no. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's off, it's gibberish, you can't understand it. Same thing. If you try and become, become successful, trying to find all sorts of good ways to do it, and miss the most important step, you will fall short. And then it'll be up to you to keep maintaining your own little journey that you have created. You cannot achieve anything you can conceive. That is bull. Okay? You've heard it. Oh, you can do anything you put your mind to. How stupid is that? It's supposed to be encouraging, but if you really look at it, it's the dumbest thing you can tell people. Because you can't do everything you put your mind to. You can get a lot done that you put your mind to. That's wonderful, but not everything. It's like having a dream that you can fly. How many have had that dream? Can you really? Can you flap your arms and go, whoa, what's this? I conceived it, but it's not going to happen. Use some logic here, all right? Let's dig in. On the other hand, instead of trying to achieve, we can receive. This is my encouragement to today, to receive the plan God has for you. I think I touched on it last week about the will of God. I mean, if I didn't, here it is. It's not a target. It's not the perfect bullseye. It's not the little tiny diamond on this like 25-mile white sands beach. Go find it. Good luck. The will of God is Jesus Christ for you. That's it. It's so simple. Jesus Christ is the will of God for you. He has planned and determined your steps. Will you let him walk in and through you? The key to success won't be self-discipline and stubborn determination. Your key to success will be spiritual dependence. Spiritual dependence. This is the exact opposite of all the books in that section in the bookstore on self-help and motivation. They will say it's all to you, you, you. You have to have the right attitude. Everything is on your shoulders to succeed. And if you don't, you're the reason for the failure. That is not what I'm promoting. I'm saying you become fully, fully dependent on Jesus Christ. And honestly, you could get humbled really quick when you discover how much you've tried to rely on self. Self-discipline? Not sure. There's value to it. But discipline's a different thing. Self-discipline... If you look at it through the lens of mankind and not through a spiritual lens, then it's all but you, 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 you. I have tried to do exercise things and dieting and, and okay, for, it's, it's the start of the month. Good, which is tomorrow. Okay, go to the gym again. Let's see how long I can make it this month. You know, and, and it's self-determination, self-discipline. I can do self. No, I need to let Christ be my passion, to be my motivation, to discipline me in the journey of whatever it is I got to do, whether it's reading my Bible every day, you know, like you can make your lists, but the lists distract you from the person. The person, Jesus, when you focus on him, here's what's going to happen. You got to try to know what I'm talking about. Stop trying to live a spiritual life on your own and wondering why you're failing so often. Why am I keep trapped in, being trapped in these things? If you would focus on Jesus only, say, Jesus, you and me, let's go. Teach me how to think. Be my motivator today. I can give you my list, or I can surrender my list, and you, you may have inspired some of those things, and you'll remind me to do those. But you are my to-do list today. 
That is hard to do because we're such control freaks. Our world says we have to accomplish these things. Now, if you have a job, go to your job, do your job, and do it well, okay? <laughs> Lord, do you want me to go to my job today? Yes! Be a provider. Don't, don't get ridiculous on me, you know? We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what does it mean then for self-effort and what, how do we put effort into things? How do we plan? There is room for all that, but it comes after this step. Big, big difference. Christians do not get strong enough to succeed. We must become weak enough. Again, the exact opposite of what our world is saying. We think we've got to become strong for the Lord. Where does it say that? It says, be strong in the Lord. Not say, I will be strong for the Lord and trying to self-muster up strength so I'm going to do these disciplines so I look strong and, and, and I'm distracted so I don't do evil. So I'm going to, I'm going to just do these, these Christian-y things. And then first temptation comes along. Wah! When instead, you can have a 24-7 mindset on the person of Jesus Christ who is your life. Did you realize that? John 3.16, eternal life is a person? Not something you get when you die, which is what I grew up believing. Oh, when I die, I'll receive eternal life. I have it now. I've arrived at that part. He and I are one. I'm not him, he's not me, but we're in union, which is a great mystery the church here in the West does not get, and they needs to get. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit, much fruit. Jesus said that before something can live, something must die. Are you willing to die to independence and choose the road of absolute dependence, absolute surrender? Are you going to let him be the God of outcomes instead of trying to help him out? There are many times in the last 12 years where I've been, okay, how can I help this church grow? Because people are going to ask, how big's your church? And the pastoral kind of, you know, they have your coffee when you meet with other pastors and they kind of brag and, oh, yeah, this is all great, oh, yeah. whatever. There were times where I tried to help God out in, in helping grow the church. <laughs> Falls flat in my face every time. I've had to surrender that. I had to realize, wait a minute, it's not my church. This is his. He can grow it or kill it any way he wants to. It's his baby. He's the God of outcomes. I'm going to learn to listen for his voice of instruction and direction, period. And I'm going to trust that he's going to plant ideas and thoughts into the body of Christ so we together grow and influence and encourage each other. My job is to equip the saints to do the work. It's not my job to do all the work. I'm to equip you to do the work. Imagine that. I thought I just came and took it in on Sundays. No. You're called to be actively involved in loving people. Practically and encouragingly. All right. Next slide. How then do, develop, do we develop our, uh, our abilities? John 15.5 is a perfect picture of this. I am the vine. You're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. This is from the message. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Now, you could say, wait a minute, yes, I can. I, in fact, well, actually, you can. You can do an awful lot in your own strength, in your own flesh, right? You, you can do a ton. 
but it will not have everlasting effect. It will not have eternal effect and value. It can look good, but there are many things that people are involved in. They have, I've, I've talked to many of them. When they discovered that all their self-effort, they were building their own little kingdom, it's usually in churches, we call it good flesh. It looks good, but it's self-manufactured. That is useless. And yet, does God use it? Yes. But when the realization hits the individual, they realize, wow, I've been living a self-dependent life not, and, and not dependent on him. Where's your source? Abiding in him. It's huge. Yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the fruit. You're not a fruit, but you bear fruit. You know? There's a big difference. And the overflow of that fruit may not be seen for years. Again, that picture on the wall there, you got your little seed down the bottom there. You got your sapling and tree. How many years does that take to grow? Long time. Really long time. Let's look at it the Jesus way. The way Jesus accomplished the work before him wasn't by determination, but by dependence on his heavenly Father. This is the big deal. The world will say, and even the religious world, they may even say, what would Jesus do? And oh my, now it's all on our shoulders to determine what would Jesus do in this situation? If he was exactly in my shoes, what would Jesus do? And it's all up to me to discover what that is. Right? It's not what, what would Jesus do. In fact, there's only one answer to that, and we'll get to that in just a second. But rather, you can say, what would, what, watch what Jesus does. This is another way to, to relabel the, uh, the acronym. But what would Jesus do, as in self-determination and trying to think through all that stuff? Oh, he'd obviously go to Africa. He would go, oh yeah, I hate Africa, but that's where he'd go, you know. <laughs> you know do you know what I'm saying? You don't understand the heart of your father. Your heavenly father loves you, has his best interests for you. He's not going to send you to a place that you absolutely hate. He's already birthed ideas in you using your gifts, your passions, your likes and dislikes and has already guided you. It's already something you enjoy. That's how he wants you involved in loving the kingdom, loving this world and participating in what he's at work doing. The secret, oops, sorry. Watch, here's what Jesus said. The son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. If you want to copy what Jesus did, do not copy the miracles. Do not copy the walking, the sleeping, the fasting. Those are nice things. You, you, unless he tells you to do that, it's fine. But that's not what we're, called, what we're called to copy. The only thing I see we're called to copy is his dependence on his heavenly father. Amen. Period. Because you're not doing the work of Jesus. He's got a different plan for you. He came to do his work he was called to do. He came to fulfill the law, and he did it. He came to die, he did it. He came to give life, he did it. Okay, he, he's done all these things. So what is it that we need to do then? Look at this, here's proof. In Acts 2.22, this is your proof text that Jesus the man didn't do any miracles. Here it is. A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs. <laughs> See, there it is. It's miracles. No. Here it says, which God performed through him in your midst. The Heavenly Father was the source, the power, the passion of all that Jesus said and did. He lived in absolute dependence as a full man. 
showing us we can do this too. We can live in dependence, moment by moment, listening for his voice. Do you remember when Jesus said, I do not know the time or the hour that I'm coming back? Guess what? He didn't know. Because I always thought, he's got the God card. Of course he knew. He just couldn't tell them. And, you know. But no, the man didn't know because it wasn't revealed at that time. Does he know now? Of course he knows now. <laughs> it's different. It's beyond the cross. Full, full dependence. This is beautiful. Peter points it out that it wasn't Jesus who actually did the miracles. It was God who performed through him. And that's how we're to live. The way to develop our abilities is to recognize this. In reality, it isn't you who will do what needs to be done. It is Christ within you who will do it through you. This is a hard one to get, especially if you've grown up, grown up in the circle of, of believers who are um, hyper, hyper. There we go. Just flat out hyper doing stuff. You know, we got to go do this, serve here, serve there. Boom, boom, boom. You got to sign up for a whole bunch of ministries. In fact, when, when I came to the church here, we ended up cutting ministries. People were so tired. The small, it was only 22 people here at the time. And I said, let's ax this. It's good, but we have to ax it for now. Pause it. Pa pause is a better word. <laughs> but you pause all this stuff because everybody's burned out. They can't do anything well. And it took time to heal and not be busy and allow naturally what the Holy Spirit brought to the church. We're still discovering this here. Our leadership team right now is working on direction on what we're about. It's very exciting. We're here to discover God's love and share it with one another. But it took a long time to stop doing stuff. In fact, when people come as new people here, they, they'll say, what? You, you don't want me to sign up for stuff? No. Come and hang out. Your only job is to get to know people. How many remember that? Is there anybody that's new or have been here for a year or two, is that the message you got? Who got that message that you don't have to do anything when you get here? Yeah. That, to me, I think it's critical. Instead of Dave, um, Dave Shaw, you know, one week after here, you know, he suddenly becomes a youth leader because he went to Bible college. You know? <laughs> Obviously, I'm not the past, I wasn't the pastor back then. <laughs> but uh, uh, the idea of immediately getting people involved, there's no time for relationships. And we need to take time to get to know each other. And we're doing that. We're getting better at it. We've not arrived, but we're getting better. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, your role is to discover your ability as he guides you and then develop your ability as he empowers you. Your responsibility is only towards him, not your pastor, to him. If something I say resonates with you, ask the Holy Spirit. Say, hey, is this from you? He can answer that. You have to ask the Holy Spirit. He's the confirmer of all that I'm trying to share with you. He's still teaching me. There are times I'm up here teaching and, whoa, I'm getting hit in the left field. I never saw that before. It, it, you know, I'll tell you once in a while because you know I can't keep it secret. Um, but it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> all right. Our actions stem from our connection to him. We act in confidence that he is acting through us. Our role is to act in complete dependence on Christ. The results of what we do are his responsibility. Here's an example. Many times in my 25-year pastoral history, people have had a passion for doing a ministry in town, let's say, or a missions thing. They, they Oh, God's calling us to do this. And they rally, rally, rally people 
people, people, but it's not quite working. Oh, then we have to get more people. Oh, we got to. And they really, they, they almost like pop blood veins trying to make this thing work. Thinking, wait a minute. Are you trying to make this work because it's a good idea? It may not be God's idea. It's just a good idea. If it's not God's idea, don't start. There's a lot of things we could be doing. In fact, each of you probably could find something in your own community that's not church-related and serve and reach out to people that aren't churched. Just not be hyper about it. That's a big difference. Success does not come by reaching the goal. Success comes in the process of depending upon Jesus Christ as you move towards the goal. Take a look at this. Um, based on Isaiah 61, the Spirit of God is upon me. That's realizing and resting in your identity. That's what this is about. That's your foundation. The next step is this. Because the Lord has anointed me, there is the discovering and developing your abilities. This is how we can learn to rest and live our dreams. The dreams that God gives us, and he does give them to us, but it has to start with identity and knowing you're gifted and discovering what those are. Otherwise, you can get sidetracked. As a Christian, we need to recognize our identity, our true identity, and have a godly self-image. There's a lot of books out there, same section, you know, on having a positive self-image to feel good about yourself. And then you get these tapes and look in the mirror. I am wonderful. I am beautiful. I. And you, you, you can do that self-talk. And by the way, for the record, there is room for positive self-talk. I make fun of it because it feels weird. Okay? I, uh, in the counseling process that I was through, I had to walk through it. It was one of the most difficult things in, for me to do. But it's not about just self-talk. Instead of having a uh, self-esteem, I want to have a God-esteem. How does he see me? For he is the determiner of truth, not my emotions or feelings. Because I flip-flop from week to week. You know, some Sundays I come off the stage and I go, crap, that was terrible, get me out of here. Or even while I'm teaching, get me off the stage, oh no. You know, and I feel horrible about myself. And it's just, it's just stupid lies that sneak in and, and wipe out my joy. It happens more often than you think. It's crazy. So I need to look at what my father has done and says. He is the one who communicates to each of us what it is we need to hear. I know what I have prepared I hope whatever section hits your heart really hits your heart. Do you know who you are? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God's image of you is you are a new creation. You're not trying to become one. You are one. As a result, be who you are. Oh, wait a minute. What does that look like? Wonderful. Welcome to Hope Fellowship as we discover who we are in Christ. That's what's most critical. In the world, you're drilled on the value of discipline and determination, reaching your goals. But we can understand now that dependence is our path to true victory. Dependence is our true path to success. God's definition of success, not the world's. Your Heavenly Father has a plan for you. And it isn't up to you to fulfill it. You're simply to walk the path he sets before you, zealously working, see that word? Working, not sitting, towards the fulfillment of your dreams and the power of his spirit. As you do, he grows your abilities and fulfills the dreams he has placed inside you. This is up to him. 
He will do it. Is God big enough to get your attention? Yes or no? Then what part aren't you trusting? You may have to stop for a minute and realize, maybe I don't trust God. Maybe I don't trust him in this area to get my attention. Maybe I like my path right now and I don't want it interrupted. <laughs> Your Heavenly Father has a plan. He's got it all worked out. The plan, the process, and the results. Isaiah 25, 1 says this, For you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Our Lord sets in motion plans for our life, and He did it long ago. And He'll execute them through you. Your life is on a course that He has set for you. He is your personal guarantee you will live your dreams, the dreams He has put in your heart. Not all your wants are dreams, folks. But He'll confirm which ones are the dreams for you. This requires intimacy with your Heavenly Father. This requires learning to hear his voice and not to go with a vending machine mentality of quick, push the button, boom, must be him. Uh, doesn't work like that. Grow with friends. Grow with others. God will speak through others into your life as well, especially when you're hard of hearing. Makes a big difference. You don't have to worry about whether or not God's plans for your life will be fulfilled. You can live boldly because he has already accomplished them in eternity and the good things you will experience here in time. The process. Isaiah, oops. Isaiah says this. Uh, Lord, you will establish peace for us since you also have performed for us all our works. Who's done the working? This is old covenant stuff. God's doing it through you. God's doing it. You can relax. And then, of course, the results. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned long ago. Nobody ever lived out a God-designed plan with effectiveness that equals the life of Jesus Christ. Not, uh, not in history. He repeatedly said that the only way he did it was by depending on his heavenly Father. The words I say are not my own. They're given to me by the Father. The things I've just said, I didn't make them up. They came from Daddy. That's where he got his inspiration and vision and passion and power. It's the same place you and I are to. Paul says this, for this purpose I also labor. Oh, wait a minute. Did you see that? Labor. That means work, just in case. Striving. That's effort. According to his, whoa, here it is. According to his power, which mightily works within me. <gasps> yes, we do work. We actually have to put one leg out and another one in front of it and keep going instead of sitting watching, you know, Homer Simpson, wonder when God's going to give me a vision. Yeah, maybe he'll get me a job. That phone will ring. He's big enough to get somebody to call me. Really? That's so immature. You have more to learn. <laughs> so don't go there. We're not going to have a good conversation. Listen to this. Corinthians 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is good news. <laughs> this is really good news. 
Second key is to discover, develop your ability. Learning who you are and understanding the importance of living a life of dependence will do more to equip you to live your dreams than anything else you will ever learn. Hmm. Our culture has programmed us to believe that we must pay our dues for success. No pain, no gain. I think it's time to stop and reevaluate how we do life. Really important. There is something appealing to the flesh when we're told that our success depends entirely on us because guess who gets all the credit? Us. However, success that comes from God comes through Christ. <laughs> Maybe you can ask your Heavenly Father, pray. Pray now. Ask Him to help you lay aside your need to be in charge, need to be in control. We are not called to be in control. There is only one who is in control. Every other type of control is a facade. It's not real. Aren't we supposed to set goals? This, this must be a natural question. Do we just let God figure it out? Do we work hard? Isn't perseverance important? Don't we need to have a positive attitude? The answer is yes. A big yes. But, listen, here it is. Those things come after we have established our trust is in Christ and not in ourselves. Then those things come and do matter. That's why next week's going to be fun when we talk about attitude. <laughs> be patient. Remember, Jesus lived for 30 years before anything was recorded. He did stuff for 30 years. We only have the last three years recorded. <laughs> be patient. It's a long ways to wait. Don't try to move further in life until you are certain that the truths of what we have just covered are understood deeply within you. Learn to live in absolute surrender and complete dependence on your Heavenly Father.